The title of my message this morning is Purposed for His Presence. Purposed for His Presence. Our purpose, a reason or maybe the reason that we were created by God was for His presence. Now when I say that, for His presence or the presence of God, I would guess that there's a whole bunch of different things that are going through our minds. We all kind of grab a hold of that statement and then we apply what we think it means in our own lives. What does it mean to you or what do you hear, what do you think when you hear that phrase, the presence of God? We've sang about the presence of God and we sang about it in every song, really, was about the presence of God. What do you think of? Do you think of a worship service like we're, we're in the middle of? singing those songs and, and think, oh, there, there's, that's the presence of God? Or do you think about that one time when, and you could fill in the blank, that one time when God did this or God spoke or I heard the voice of the Lord, I, that one time. Or maybe it's something like, yeah, the presence of God. I remember when I felt that something special. We don't know what to call it. We call it the presence of God. We pray for the presence of God. There's probably some of you in here who go, I have no idea what you're talking about when you talk about the presence of God. I've never sensed it. I've never felt it. I don't get it. I've been there. And if I go by my feelings, sometimes I still go there. What's going on in my life, I sometimes still will go there. Where are you, God? You know, there's some characteristics or attributes of God that we always need to remember. The three O's. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing God. He knows everything. He's omnipotent. He's the all-powerful God. I mean, He is the God who spoke and everything that exists came into being. That's powerful. He's omnipotent. And then he's omnipresent. What does that mean? Well, if omniscient means all-knowing, omnipotent means all-powerful, omnipresent means he's everywhere. When we are talking about and crying out for the presence of God, we, we, we need to make sure we don't forget he's everywhere. He's always there. Always. So when we're talking about the, the presence of God, we're, we're really saying something a little different than, where are you, God? Oh yeah, you're everywhere. I'm going to read a few different scriptures this morning. Some will be on the screen, some won't. Those of you that think I go through too many scriptures too fast, you're going to think that today. But I just want you to maybe just jot down where the scriptures are sometimes and read them when you're at home. But I want to read in Psalms 139, starting in verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? The psalmist David is crying out, where can I go? From your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Acts 17, verse 27, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. He's everywhere. For in Him we live and move and have our being. 
As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. He's everywhere. We don't need to go groping in the dark wondering where he is. He's there. Proverbs 15.3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. He sees everything. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. His presence is there. So when we're talking about His presence, what we're usually really talking about is us having the realization of God's presence. It's us perceiving that He's present. That we're actually conscious and aware of His presence. That's what we're talking about most of the time when we cry out, God, where are you? God, fill this place with your presence. You know, yeah, God, fill this room with your presence. Fill my heart. Fill my life with your presence. God, I want to know you're there. I want to sense it. I want to perceive it. I want to be conscious of it. He's always there. So maybe it's me when I don't sense his presence. When I'm not conscious of his presence. I'm not aware of his presence. What's going on? Sometimes, and maybe for some of us most of the time, we don't realize God's presence is even there. There's a scripture in, in Genesis 28:16. It's Jacob, and some of you are familiar with the Bible story, but Jacob is, has left his home, and, and he stops for the night, and he takes a rock, and he makes a pillow out of his rock, and he has this amazing dream. He sees the staircase to heaven, the angels going back and forth. And then later in the morning when he wakes up, and this is what he says, Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. I wasn't aware of it. That's how we sometimes, oftentimes, live our lives. We need to understand that God will reveal himself to those who earnestly seek him. We did something down in Colombia, and I, I don't, I've shared this with some of you, and God has really been stirring in my heart, and because he's doing that to me, you guys get to hear it too. I don't spend enough time in my life aware of his presence, and I'm missing it. We need to go aside. We need to take the time. And we need to, to, to be very determined that no matter what, God, I want to know your presence. I want to be aware of your presence. I want to be conscious of your presence. Every day. Now you might think, gee, that sounds like a little bit of a high goal, a lofty goal. No, not really. The Holy Spirit's in me. He lives in me. And the reason He's chosen to live in me and you is because He wants intimacy with us. He wants us to know Him like He already knows us. Now that's a lofty goal. God, I want to know You. We're singing those songs. I want to know You. I want, I want all there is of You. We might not even been theologically correct when we said, Lord, empty me. We got to empty ourselves. The Holy Spirit will reveal. He'll convict. But we need to respond. We need to just say, you know what? Enough of that stuff. Out of my life. Or at the very least... You're going to get moved in the priorities in my life from the place that you've taken that you don't belong to somewhere down the list someplace. 
What is it in your life and in my life that is worth more than knowing and having a conscious realization of the presence of God? What would you trade? You know, it's different for all of us. Will I give up a little bit of my TV time that I relax in front of the television? Would I give up my golf game? No, well, it gets harder. In the comparison to the presence of God, it's all garbage. Really, it's all garbage. There's, there's nothing wrong with necessarily any of that, but when it is interfering with me being consciously aware of God's presence, you know, I hear so many of us, and it's a good thing that we want to be used by God. We want to minister His love. We want to we be His hands and feet. We want, to, we want to do things for the kingdom to bring glory and honor to Him. Guess what? It'd be a lot easier if we knew His presence and sensed His presence and we heard His voice and we did what He asked us to do instead of doing what we think we should be doing. It will work better if it's what He wants us to do. And we can know His presence. He lives in us. Seeking Him. In Deuteronomy 4.29, But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find Him if you seek Him with all your heart, with all your soul. God always desires us to seek Him. He desires us to draw near to Him. And we do. when we do this, He reveals Himself to us. He reveals Himself. James 4.8, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Definite. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. You know, we all have different giftings and sometimes somebody will maybe even prophesy something over and you go, yeah, that'd be cool, but that isn't me. That's been the case in my life in certain areas. I've had... People we believe to have prophetic giftings prophesy things over me and I'm like, no way. Well, the immediate thing that's causing the no way to come out of my mouth is fear and insecurity. But if that's a true word from God, and that always needs to be tested, but if it is, and I'm consciously aware of His presence, those things that I'm afraid of will flow out of you naturally. It'll just be there. Down in Columbia, there was a fifth floor of our hotel. wasn't rooms. It was just kind of a covered roof or partially covered roof. And I'd go up there before we'd go and leave out for the meetings. Uh, the leader of the group, Gary Oates, had, had told me, you know, the pastor privilege, I guess. He came to me and he said, you know, if Mike, if you think you have a word for, for somebody at one of the meetings, feel free to share it. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. We'll see about that. So I would go up there and I would just open my Bible and I'd pray, God, if there's something you want me to share with these pastors or these leaders or at this meeting, you know, give me something. And he did. And I was shocked. Why was I shocked? I was seeking him. I knew there was nothing in me. I could come up with something that sounded good. It could sound spiritual. It could even be real biblical. I could quote some scriptures. But if it's not what he wants to share, it's really not going to do what he wants it to do. We met with the governor for breakfast, the governor of the state of Wheeler, and, and the Lord gave me a prophetic word that I had the opportunity to share over the governor of the state. And I say this in humility and fear and trembling, but afterwards I'm like, Lord, I don't, this doesn't happen to me. 
I don't, I don't operate and function this way. These, these, this isn't my comfort zone of giftings. So what's going on? And it was simple. Not simplistic, but simple. Mike, you're seeking me. You're going aside and you're spending time with me. You're asking me and then you're shutting up and you're actually listening to me. That's a novelty for me. You're listening to me. I was crying out out of, a, out of a heart that wanted to glorify God, but I knew in my own flesh and my own strength there wasn't anything there. And I believe that is what it's talking about when we say we got to get so we're in a place where we recognize His presence. We're conscious of it. He's there. He's desiring it. He wants us. Have you ever noticed it's usually when we're in our lowest point or a very difficult time in our life where, where we get to this place, eventually we get to this place and we go, God, where in the world are you? I, I, I think I still believe you exist, but you must be about a million miles away right now. And it's when we get to that place and we get aside and we, we get alone and we just cry out to God. God, I... I I, I don't know what to do. I am lost. I am empty. I am I'm hurting. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, and usually it's quickly when you reach that place, the presence of God. We become aware of it. We become conscious of it. How? How do I become aware? What happens that makes me conscious of it? All of a sudden, there's this something called peace starts to settle into my spirit. All of a sudden, the heaviness begins to lift. The hopelessness is replaced with hope. And if I'm not careful, joy comes along with it. The presence of God. Joy, peace, hope, love. We, ha- we oftentimes have to get to that place, but th- I'm telling us, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling myself, it's available all the time. It's all the time there for us. Can we walk in His presence all the time? Yes. But it's not normal. Normal for a human being. Normal for someone who is immersed in the world. It takes work. It takes effort. Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as those who have a contrite spirit. I believe that's, that's the scripture we can apply to those moments when we're at the bottom. We don't know where to turn. And He's near. He's always near, but we recognize He's near. And we hear from Him. And he responds quickly. And I believe he does this for, you could probably come up with lots of other reasons, but two reasons come to my mind right away. Why does he respond so quickly and we're, such a, we're in such a place of, of despair or whatever it is? And I believe one reason is he is a God of compassion. And it brings him great joy to exhibit his compassion towards us. We're in, we're in that plain, place of despair and pain. It's who he is. And secondly, I think when we we get to that place, that lowest point, it's when we finally really seek God with our whole heart. 
We've come to the end of Mike's ideas. My strengths and abilities are gone. And I don't know what to do. And we turn to God because as a, as a child of God, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. We know He's there. There's this Holy Spirit, no, we know He's there. And we finally turn to Him. And we cry out to Him. And He responds. Because He's faithful to His Word. He promises us that He will. So is there something we can do? And I am going to share with you, and it's not going to all happen today, but some steps that I think we can take to experience the presence of God in our life on a daily basis, hourly basis. Now, it's not a formula, as much as I like them. I wish it were. But it's some things that we can see from Scripture, some principles of what can I do to to live my life every day more aware of God's presence. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Do you not know you are the temple of God? Anybody heard that verse before? I mean, we, we, most of us know that verse. You're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, <clears throat> you don't have to do this, but I want to encourage you right now, just, just close your eyes and think about that verse. You are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. The creator of the universe dwells in you. The greatest power in the universe dwells in you. All wisdom dwells in you. Because he's chosen to. He's chosen to do that. Just think about that for a second. Of all the things, all the ways, all the stuff the creator of the universe could have done for us when he saved us, he chose to dwell in us. Why? Because we have been purposed for his presence. He created us for his presence to dwell in us so we could have intimacy with our Heavenly Father. Okay, open your eyes before you go to sleep. Think about that. He chose to dwell in us because he wants intimacy with you. With you. The devil would try to make you think you're not worthy, you're not good enough, he can't possibly like you or love you. He can't, he can't possibly want that relationship with you. And it's not true. You were created for this purpose, for his presence. The psalmist in chapter 8 of Psalms wrote, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Just think about that. What, in comparison to the universe, all that we see, all of the amazing things of creation, he chose to live in you and me. What are we? We're his favorite. We're the apple of his eye. Created for his presence. Created for intimacy. The word visit there, the son of man that you would visit him. Who is the son of man that you would visit him? 
It's, it's not like we think of the word, yeah, I think I'll stop by and pay you a visit. It's, it's a complete, total encounter with God. That's what he wants. A complete and total encounter with every one of us. And he wants it to last every day, all day. Not just to be a momentary thing. Now, don't get me wrong. We are not created. You might not like this. We are not created for the mountaintop experiences. God gives them thus, them to us so that we can get refueled, get re-energized, get built back up. But you know what? We are created for the valleys. That's where we go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's where we go out and minister to other people. That's what he has called us to be doing. And you know what makes those mountaintops so experiences so great? It's the depth of the valley. And sometimes we're in a deep valley, but you need to remember that's where we're created for to minister his love, his compassion, his mercy, his healing power, his deliverance, whatever it is. That's where we're to really function. And that's where we really need to know his presence. Or it'll overwhelm us. Too often, speaking for me personally, we're not aware of his presence like that, but we fake it like we are. We, we, we act a certain way. We do certain things, especially on Sunday morning. We have a set of beliefs that we adhere to as best we can. Hoping that no one notices. And everybody thinks we're really walking in the presence of God. But God really isn't that bright light in our life. He's not the center of our lives. And sometimes, believe it or not, I find myself content living there. That's horrible. I don't want to be content living there. I want more. And I hope you're not content living there. That you want more. That you want to empty yourself and truly be filled with this presence. Recognizing and conscious and aware of His presence in your life every day. So what can we do to better experience, better be aware, better be conscious of His presence? As I said, this isn't a formula, but I'm going to have us look at a certain lesson I think that we can see in the life of Moses, and it's going to come from Exodus, Exodus chapters 33 and 34 primarily. And we're not going to get through all of this in, any, in one day. It's going to be a series, I think, Lord willing, and I have no idea how many weeks. But I do know this. This is week one. So in, in, in Moses' life, in this particular section of Scripture when we look at it, The presence of God was so real in Moses' life after an encounter with God on Mount Sinai that his face just shined, reflecting the glory of God. Everybody's probably familiar with that story. 
If you're not, I encourage you to go back and read before Exodus 33, but, but work your way up to 33, 34. This is that time in the life of Moses in Israel where Moses had led the people out. All these miracles had occurred. They're, they're camped at the foot of Mount Sinai, and Moses goes up, and he gets the Ten Commandments, and he comes back down after a long time up there, and they've made a golden calf, and they're worshiping it. His brother Aaron's in charge. And he gets really upset. About 3,000 people end up dying that day. And Moses goes back to God. And he talks to God. And he, and he, he, he has this, this presence, this experience with God. And he comes back down the mountain and his face is glowing. And it's glowing so much that he has to cover his face so the people aren't, aren't afraid of him. Cover his face with a veil. People knew. Something that happened to Moses, he'd been in the presence of God. All he had to do was look at him. Now you and I probably aren't going to have the experience where we get to reflect the glory of God like that, although I do ask for that. Lord, I'd like my face to just glow sometime. Anybody ever prayed like that? I've even prayed, God, I want me to go into prayer room and I want to come out with my hair all white. I didn't expect it to be because of my age. But I prayed that way. I wanted, to, I wanted to know. And maybe I even wanted you to know, man, he must be really tight with God. Needless to say, he didn't answer my prideful prayer. But there's something you need to understand about Moses, and I think we can relate to it. The glow didn't last. It went away. Over time, the glow disappeared. And it even appears from Scripture, even after the glow disappeared, he kind of kept the veil for a while, just kind of maybe I can fool everybody. And I kind of wonder if that's not the case in a lot of our lives. There's been those times where we have really been there. We have discovered and, and really been aware and conscious of the presence of God because of that situation we were in. And man, we were on fire. All people had to do was look at you and go, wow, what happened? And you'd go, you aren't going to believe this, but I met Jesus. And he did this, said this. He spoke to me. He, he took my despair and turned it into joy. My mourning into dancing. Oh, I, you know, it was there. And it goes away. It goes away. We're going to look at an experience in Moses' life. And I think as we look at this experience, it gives an affirmative answer to the question, can we get it back? And the answer is yes. We can get it back. I want to read, starting in Exodus 33, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Okay, now, the Lord is speaking to Moses after all this chaos, worshiping the idol, the priest killing a whole bunch of people. God's ticked off at his people. And he says, the Lord spoke to Moses. He says, depart And go up from here, you and the people who you have been brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. And I will send an angel before you, and I will drive the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusites. I will drive them out. Go to that land of milk and honey. Wow! Wouldn't you love to have that conversation with God? And he gives you that information. And if you look back in the previous chapter, the last couple of verses, he, he says again there, I'm going to send this mighty angel before you. 
Tell you what, this, is, this sounds like blessing to me, doesn't it to you? I, I'm going to send this mighty angel. All right, an angel. And I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to bless you with the promises that I made to your, to your descendants. I'm going, to, I'm going to promise you the land. It's coming. And I don't worry about all the enemies. I'm going to destroy them all. I'm going to come into your life and I'm going to remove all the things that are tormenting you and attacking you. They're gone. Wow. A land full of milk and honey. Prosperity. It's all for you. The angel. I'm going to send an angel. How many of us would be satisfied with God's blessing us in such a way? Don't answer that. You might be wrong. What does Moses do? Verse 1, we look at the promise. Verse 2, he talks about the angel and driving out the enemies. The first part of verse 3 says the land is flowing with milk and honey. And then in the last part of verse 3, God adds this. I'm not going with you. I will not go up in your midst because you are an obstinate people and I might destroy you on the way. Ouch. Ouch. He's telling him, I'm going to give you the victory. I'm going to give you success. I'm going to give you the land. And I'm going to send a mighty angel to lead you. But I'm not going along. You know, what, what, what God says, you know what? If you accept Jesus as my son, I'm going to give you eternal life. I'm going to give you heaven. I'm going to walk through every valley with you for the rest of your life. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Sort of. Because I'm not going with you. I'll send an angel. Shoot, I'll send 10,000 angels. What would you do? Thank you, Lord. Pour out your blessings upon me. Meet every need. Boy, that would be our natural tendency. But what did Moses do? He said, God, if you don't come with us, I'm not going. What good is the land if I don't have God? What good is the angel if I don't have your presence? What good is the victory if I don't have the one who gave us the victory? What good is the prosperity, the milk, and the honey if I don't have your presence, God? This is what Moses is saying. I don't want all the blessings unless I get the blesser. We are a... I'm getting too excited. We are a spoiled, rotten Christian. Most of us. We will grab all the blessings that we can possibly get and we'll whine when we don't get enough of them and we won't do what's needed for the presence of God. We are satisfied with the blessings. And don't get me wrong, the blessings are awesome. They're wonderful. But what good are they without the presence of God? This is what God is convicting me of. Mike, I don't care what you're doing. If you're not seeking my presence, you're missing it. There's so much more of me. We sing those songs, fill me, I want more of you. Do we really? Empty me. Do you really want to be emptied? Do you really want to empty yourself? Do you really want him to put his fingers on those things in your life that need to go? What's his presence worth? Moses says, I'm not settling for any angel. 
I don't care how mighty he is. Verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom I will, you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you also have found, I have found favor in your sight. Now therefore I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know you, let me know your ways, that I may know you. Moses is saying, you've shown all this favor. You, you, you've told me you know my name. You've done all these awesome things. I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. I want greater intimacy with you. And he says, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, I'm not going. I'm not going without you. If you don't go, I'm not going. Talk about bold. Talk about brilliance. He knew. He knew. How many of us would have settled for the first offer? I'm going to give you the land, take the people. All the promises I made to all your relatives, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to drive out every enemy. Don't need to worry about it. Prosperity, every need will be met. A land full of milk and honey, and I'm going to send a mighty angel to lead you. Sign the contract and say, thank you, God. And Moses tore up the contract and said, no, thank you. I'm not going if your presence doesn't go with us. How would we respond? Step one is determination of knowing the presence of God in a tangible way. We need to be determined like Moses was determined. We need to be in a place where we won't just be satisfied with he, what, what God can give us, His blessings. We want Him. No matter what, we want Him. Determined, I'm not going to satisfy, be satisfied with less. I want that kind of intimacy that I know and I'm conscious and aware of your presence all the time. You know, I I've shared this before, but years ago when I went with Brother Earl Kellum to Mexico, he's dead now, but I remember one time saying to him, man, oh man, was the anointing wonderful. And he looked at me and said, brother, I live in that anointing. What he was really saying was, I live in the presence of God every day. Down in Colombia, leader of our group says, first thing I do every day is make sure I'm in his presence. I am determined that the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to just stop. I might read the Bible. I might prayer, pray. But I'm going to do all that. Then I'm going to just stop and soak in his presence. I'm going to wait. I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear from him. I'm going to know and, that, and be conscious of his presence before I move on. And then I think to myself, I wonder why God moves in a person like that. And he can do the same in each one of us. He wants to do the same in each one of us. So to be, the, be in a place where we have that conscious awareness of his presence going to take determination. 
self-discipline. If you're like me, it won't come easy because you're busy. You got things to do. Maybe we're a little ADD. Maybe we're a lot ADD. Maybe we're weighing the scale to see which is more important to commit my time to. It's not going to come natural. But the Holy Spirit lives in us. Part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is that self-control, that determination. That's what it's going to take. We need to be at a place where we can say, you know what, God, the blessings are awesome, but I don't want them without your presence. If he decides to send an angel, I don't want the angel without your presence. No matter what, I'm not going anywhere without you. We're going to continue in the next couple weeks probably looking at and, and figuring out as best we can. And God's going to have to show each one of us what he's revealing to me. He's going to reveal something different to you. But we need to practice the presence of God. Do what it takes. You know, I share this often. God has a destiny and a purpose for your life. He has a destiny and purpose for us as a body of believers, as a church. And for us to fulfill that destiny and purpose, individually and corporately, it's going to be so much easier and so much more effective if we sense his presence each step of the way. Knowing full well that the enemy is going to fight us every inch. He's going to try and take back any of the ground that the Lord has us going forward into. But I believe we can claim those promises just like most, you know what, southwest Minnesota, go for it. I'll take care of the enemy. Just remain intimate with me and you'll know what to do. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I'm so thankful that it's your desire to know us at an intimate level. Not just acquaintances, but intimate. Lord, I confess that I and we have been easily distracted, not only by the things of the world, God, but by your blessings that you pour out upon us. I thank you, Lord, that we're forgiven, that we can press in, press on. But I pray you would give us ears to hear. Your Holy Spirit speak. Even now, what are those things that are competing in our lives for spending time with you? Lord, I pray that you would create a greater hunger in each one of our hearts for your word. Increase our sensitivity to your Holy Spirit as it speaks, teaches, and applies that word in our lives. Lord, I pray that we're not ever satisfied with how well we know you. Lord, and I know as we press in that the enemy is going to wage an attack from many directions, Lord, and I just thank you that in, 
In the name of Jesus and by his blood, we are protected. Father, and I pray that as we go forth even today, we go with the confidence of knowing that we are your children. We've been called by you. You have commissioned us to go out into the world. You provide all that we need. We pray for your protection as we go even today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.